This episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. I just took a DNA test, turns out I'm 100% that bitch, even when I'm crying. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> we also have Robin Barr. Uh, aloha. Aloha? <laughs> I've been watching The White Lotus, so. Okay, I thought you maybe you'd been watching Aloha. <laughs> oh, God, no. Never. <laughs> no? You don't want to watch that? Would Never. Okay. Um, well, that's awesome. I also thought maybe you were trying to make uh, people think that your vacation over the last episode was you going to like a tropical paradise Hawaii. instead of just like sort of the Midwest. <laughs> it was the South. <laughs> Yeehaw. Oh she went to Bucky's. I did yes, she did. <laughs> Speaking of road trips. Not yeah. only did I go to Bucky's, but my husband bought a Hawaiian shirt with Bucky's face on it. Oh, so aloha. And, and thus, aloha. Um, and with us today to talk about a very different uh, southern facing road trip, uh, it's Drea Clark. Uh, mahalo. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Listen, I sensed a theme and I jumped on board. I love a theme party. You did it. Yeah. You did it. I wish that I had known that the theme was a thing. I would have, uh, <laughs> you know, Mele Kalili Laka. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, yes. Hamilton. All right. <laughs> Bill, you are getting way too just intense about screaming Hamilton uh, when we get off track. Anyway. Here... For when we're going off track. Gotcha. Yeah, so if Bill screams Hamilton at you, uh, just tell him to go fuck himself. Anyway, Drea, would you like to introduce yourself <laughs> to our listening audience? Um, sure. I am a film festival programmer and indie producer, and I also co-host a podcast on Maximum Fun called Maximum Film with Ify Wadi Yay. and Alonzo Day. Yes. New name, same people. <laughs> yes, new name, same people. Yes. You teased yes. it. You teased it to us privately uh, before or after the last podcast. That's we like, right. That's right before we, we announced are making change the name. Yep. Yep. We are going to make a decision, and I was like, I applaud you. <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal. We've done over two hundred episodes now, so. But yeah. Uh, yeah, excited. Maximum film, and I like to say it with like that sort of early 2000s like Mountain Dew Extreme energy maximum it, like, film maximum film yeah <laughs> extreme extreme yes. exactly. maximum but the X is like spray painted you know yeah. <laughs> yes. and there's like probably like a slightly lascivious looking like tiger around <laughs> like an animated tiger yeah I was about to say a bear but yeah I think a tiger oh, a bear we'll take a bear bear's fitting for us yeah it's like a, a, a tiger's Spicy, and I like that. <laughs> the tigers have That's got a, a lot of uh, mascots Hamilton. under their belts. No, Bill, oh, I need to say this. Uh, tigers have frosted flakes. <laughs> That's true. Tigers They've have... got their brands already. Oh, no, I, I was about to say... I prostate flakes, so... <laughs> no, it's uh, frosted, not prostate. Anyway, uh, as Bill mentioned, uh, Dre was on for Promising Young Woman back in March. Mm-hmm. Woo! Ah, Woo. so much has changed since then. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I totally forgot about that movie. 
Yes. Um, well, interestingly, this, of course, the movie we're talking about today premiered at the same festival in the same year as A Promising Young Woman. So Holy shit. Yeah. A nice, uh, a nice duo. When was that? Was that back in 2019? 2020. Sundance Film Festival 2020. Oh, right. Because that was like right, right, right before everything yep. shut down. February. Yeah. Literally weeks. Yep. Yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of them ended up like having it right. I've I've heard that because uh, actually not that long after Sundance, uh, someone that I know in the CrossFit space uh, who's kind of prominent in that area, uh, he got he got COVID and I was like, how the fuck did he? Oh, All those Sundance film critics going to sun- <laughs> Sundance. Yeah, I think most of us. I didn't hear of too many COVID cases coming out of that Sundance. But, um, you know, it was also no one could get tested for like five months. So yeah. exactly. most people, you always get sick at Sundance. So I don't think anybody thought it was like yeah, the sun, Sundance normal. always has like the creeping crud. Like Jordan will come back and be like, yeah. do we want to do like a podcast yeah. where we talk about it? <laughs> it's like, uh, can Nobody you? like touching and licking and I don't know. Not that there's a lot of. Oh, yeah. You know, that grand Sundance tradition of everyone licking the handles on like the Sundance yeah. theater. I just picture it, you know, it's just like somebody sneezing as they walk past you. Ugh. Get away from Yeah, humans <laughs> are disgusting, as we'll learn in Zola. Yeah. yeah. But that's all, like morally disgusting. And also just physically gross. disgusting. Physically as well, yeah. yeah. When, when when you take a shower in, in a sink, I, I feel like I, I just want to just crawl inside of myself. Something has happened to you if your life has taken you to the point where you have I to mean, shower it, in a it's sink. It's called a whore's bath for a reason. I, I get like like I get that, but wait, like, is that a horse? I there thought a is a shower. Bath. A horse bath there is, is a shower. Like no water, right? It's like just no, no, deodorant no, no. and horse- perfume. There's a mix. A horse bath traditionally is with the sink. It's the very first scene of Homeland, the TV show, is Claire Danes' character taking a horse bath. Oh, in that's the sink. how you know that she doesn't give a fuck and she's yeah. tough as shit. Exactly. What an exciting does she, way to introduce a character. Does she then like walk into a meeting and like school a bunch of people? Probably. I was too shaken by the horse <laughs> bath to like know much after that. Should we be calling it a sex worker's bath? Um, I do think that the horrors element of it is like a acronistic, like, um, is, is acronistic the word I'm looking an, for? An anachronistic? Like, yeah, thank you, thank his, you. That's what I was going Historically for. accurate? Yes. Anachronistic. I knew, the, I knew some of the letters were in there. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> a, a historical contextual element to it. But um, I'm also happy never talking about it again, because I agree with Bill. Gross. Yeah, I was only bringing it up in a historical context. Was not referring to it as like a, this is what whores do or what. <laughs> so why? Well, I, I, really I love that. the word whore because uh, I'm you know, not I had in to, high school anymore. I had to yeah. splash some water on my pits and then just use some dryer sheets on my hair. You know, like whores do. Like whore was such a word of my youth. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like a loving term i would be like hey whores yeah 100 percent. yeah it was a very every, every girl teenage. i knew in middle school called all of her friends a whore yeah exactly yeah that's fine it that's takes it takes it back so sweet 
We've uh, really gotten into it already, haven't we? Hamilton. <laughs> See, Bill, I think the problem is that that's none of that's technically off topic. Yeah, yeah but we are but talking about we, sex work we, today. We did find ourselves in a lull there, so that's why right, I well, was like, all right, yeah. all right, before we go down somewhere else. <laughs> Okay, I guess so. Anyway, we'll leave that one in. Let's be remind, <laughs> let, let me remind everyone uh, that you can follow us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show. And, of course, you can uh, give us a comment or anything on iTunes and uh, email us at podcastfilmstage.com. Um, you can also go to patreon.com slash show to give us your money. Um, that's a great way to support us here and everything that we do. And it gets you access to our Slack channel where you can see pictures of Robin's trip across the South. Where she went to a Bucky's and there was a jerky wall. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. Not a jerk wall, Bill. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. It, it, it auto-corrected. Jesus. <laughs> Scary. Uh, don't want to know what you've been looking up that it auto-corrected that. Um, anyway, that's again, patreon.com slash the film state show. And of course, we are brought to you by Mubi, the curated streaming service, which showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film. It can be a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. It's guaranteed to either be a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before. And there will always be something new to discover. Again, because every day there's a brand new film. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected. You will not be a slave to an algorithm. Uh, so you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch. Instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival. Streaming anytime, Ooh. anywhere. I wanted to bring up one of the movies that came on because it's a movie that I didn't even remember that I loved until I saw it on Mubi, and that's Hoo Ha. Hoo Ha. J A U J A. Oh, uh, Bill, were oh. you on when we talked about Hoo Ha? I, I don't even know how to pronounce. Um. Anyway, I'll I mean, read. I'll read the synopsis, and you tell me yeah. if this sounds familiar. Captain Denesson has come from abroad with his daughter Ingborg. To take a job with the Argentine army, Ingeborg falls in love with a young soldier, and one night they run away together. When Denison realizes what has happened, he decides to venture into enemy territory to find the young couple. That makes this sound super, like, searchers-like. This movie is friggin' weird. It's awesome. It's hallucinatory. It's dreamlike. Um, the take that sure. the movie publishes is remarkably bold filmmaking from Argentina's Lissandro Alonso, the enigmatic Hoha, is a post-colonial political allegory rendered in witty shots, dazzling, colored, and, comp- and composed. Film hypnotic and transfixing, minimalist and expressionistic. I feel like of of the three of us, or of the four of us here that have also seen that or potentially seen that, I think Drea's probably the most likely. Drea, do you recognize this at all? I don't. What's strange is that there is a film by Aki Kurismaki with the same name from like 2000, maybe. Um, but it's, it's spelled J U H A. It's Finnish. Oh. And I don't know how. How your hoo ha was spelled? For the record, when you said hoo ha, <laughs> at first all I could think of was Al Pacino incent of a woman. Hoo Exactly. So this is again J A U J A. I looked it up. We talked about this. Oh Christ! September eighth of twenty fifteen. Oh fuck! It was episode one fifty three. Was I on that? No, you weren't. It was still <laughs> okay. Nick Newman, and uh, okay. this is a rare pre uh michael snydell guest show we had callum okay. marsh on okay 
Interesting. Pre Cora. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was oh, way like pre Cora. Like your way? life hadn't even started yet. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was a year before Cora was born. I'm excited to hear about the multiple hoo-ha options. I, mean, <laughs> I think I speak for all of us when I say Do that. Do a Twitter poll. It's like, what's your favorite movie? Or which is the better movie? Hoo-ha, hoo-ha. Or <laughs> Al Pacino instead of a woman. Hoo-ha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just boy. Jeff. Anyway, uh, so you, if you'd like to be able to vote in that Twitter poll, uh, you could see the hoo-ha that we're talking about uh, and that we talked about <laughs> six years ago. Christ. You've been talking um, about the same hoo-ha for six years, man. We, we have all been lost in hoo-ha. Um, anyway, <laughs> you can do that by going to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial of movie. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. Uh, do that now and uh, be awesome and uh, go do it. Um, so anyway, I obviously tapered off there. How are we all doing? Do we need to talk about anything before we get into Zola? Robin, welcome back. Oh, thank you. It's good Formally. to be back. Yeah, um, it's been fun watching your progress over on the Slack. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. nice. <laughs> yes, and, um, I had a good time. And we took a week off, and we're back. So hopefully uh, everyone... Also, no one knows that we took a week off, or they think that we took a different week off because it took me like another week to get out our already late recorded Fast 9 recording. So it's just all <laughs> fucked up. It and all now worked we're, out. And now we're recording this on a Wednesday, you know, like... What are we the next few anyway? Wednesdays, yeah. Let chaos reign. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, but we are here today to talk about, as I've already said, Zola. Um, this movie, based on the Twitter thread by Azia King. Um, mm-hmm. This is directed by Janixa Bravo. Do I have that correct? Yes. Okay, awesome. And this movie stars Taylor Page. Riley, this is another name that no one can tell me if I'm saying it right. Riley Q. I think it's Keo. I really Keo. do. I'm erring on the side of Keo. I'm going to go with Kiof. <laughs> I was going to say Kiof. I have no idea. Um, I just like it. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, right. Just like Barry Keoghan, I just have no idea what the fuck to do with this kind of see? bashing. Keoghan. It's right there. I think it's Keo. Riley Keo. Right. Again, or it could be like enough, and it's kiof. Oh, fair. It's like the um. Is enough. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, uh, I remember or in middle school, like, huch, like Van Gogh, or Van like Gogh. maybe it's like what there's there's like a Juliana Hoch isn't there isn't isn't there out there? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Juliana okay. Huff, yeah, yeah, Huff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the Huff, Huff siblings. They're Huff siblings. Anyway, we can't yeah. we cannot keep talking about just how do we pronounce Riley Keough. Nicholas Braun is also in this, and uh, we also have Coleman Domingo. So uh, this is a story about a uh, a woman who meets another woman and who gets talked into going to Florida ostensibly to strip at a club for a lot of money, but that is not what happens. So here <laughs> is the trailer. Hey. Last month, I went dancing at this cute spot in Florida where my roommate's girl made like five G's a night. Because of my we just met yesterday and you already trying to take hoe trips together? Be ready by two. You want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out? It's kind of long, but it's full of suspense. 
You want to go somewhere with me? That's my place. So bad. Dear Heavenly Father, we are asking you a special prayer today. We asking you to send us niggas. Send us niggas with culture. All right, that is the beginning of the trailer for Zola. This movie in theaters now and coming to VOD on the 23rd. So if you're afraid of movie mm-hmm. theaters still, you can check it out there. Let's talk about it. Um, we begin, as always, with our spoiler-free thoughts. And we begin with our guest. Drea, what did you think of Zola? All right, well, I was a big fan. I remember this is, of course based on a Twitter thread in 2015 that Asia, or I think it's Asia King, the um, the writer tweeted this thread as a personal recollection of something she had gone through. She is Zola. And it was like 157 different tweets threaded together. And I remember coming back like every hour or so to be like, what, what happens next? Because this is a story and a movie that is packed with just that with story. It is, clicking along it's almost unbelievable how well her real life happening fits with like three-act structure and sort of protagonist antagonist escalation like it fits all of these really standard traditional um, movie things but it is um and it's been sort of fact checked since then and for all intents and purposes a um realistic story and so it very much um captured something at the moment and i also remember with that when james franco got the rights to direct it and i was already apprehensive (laughs) about that and that's even before his uh, sexual assault accusations um and of course when that happened he uh stepped out from the project janik sabravo who's incredible um, she's an Afro-Latina director, um, and she had a previous film called Lebanon that also played Sundance. All this to say, I was very much looking forward to it, and I very much felt that this movie captured in such a like life force and just vibrant, dynamic way this really sort of bombastic happening that had a lot of humanity threaded through it, but also so much about how stories come across in social media and how characters and happenings like it threaded through this idea of, you know, people speaking tweets or having like the sound of getting a tweet, you know, there's all of this thought mm-hmm. that went into it beyond adapting something that had been a Twitter thread, which again, 10 years ago, no one would know what that meant. Like what would a Twitter, th- what? Anyway, I, I am. Um, yes. So my, Overall review and response to it was just like this movie has so much going on and is so smart and is a really fun watch that has a lot to chew on afterwards. All right. Bill Graham. Yeah. So I didn't know very much about this besides the kind of uh, the, I guess, origin from that Twitter thread. Right. I remember uh, this getting kind of picked up as something, a a project that was going to be potentially made. And then a bunch of people like threw their weight behind it and blah, 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 blah. Uh, So, you know, unlike a lot of things like that, it actually ended up getting made. Um, I feel like a lot of things like that crash and burn pretty quick. Um, But this one actually ended up getting made pretty quick, uh, I guess. And so, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect from this thing. Um, I've heard 
mixed things here and there. I've heard uh, good things, but mainly mixed things. And of course, it's had kind of that long uh, run since fun, uh, Sundance uh, at the beginning of the year, last year. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so, you know, it's been one of those things that just kind of sat on the shelf and you never know what to do with those things, um, at, at least as an audience member for from my uh, kind of uh, viewpoint. But uh, I really enjoyed bits and pieces of this i would say um as a whole i think it's very messy and i think that's part of the narrative and that's fine but uh i i also just found myself at certain points just completely flabbergasted uh about like what was going on how this just keeps spiraling and spiraling And so um, this is definitely one of those films that I think is kind of up there uh, with uh, the Adam Sandler movie uh, last year. I can't remember what it was called. Um, Scooby Halloween. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was like... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said last year, and I was like, I'm pretty sure Hoobie Halloween was last year. That was a year. solid. Okay. Uh, so that movie came out a couple of years ago, and uh, it was very sweaty and just grimy, and that kind of reminds me. But more specifically, it has some just stress-inducing moments where you're like, get the fuck out of this situation. You just want to yell that at the screen. Um, and this time I wanted to yell it at my computer screen instead of the theater, but you know, uh, you can only do so much in your life, but yeah, that I enjoyed it, but man, it's, uh, it definitely makes you want to take a shower afterwards. All right. Robin Barr. Yeah, I'm probably with you, Bill. Uh, there's a lot of things I did like about it. Um, and a lot of things I was sort of skeptical about in terms of the filmmaking or the storytelling. And it kept reading to me as something that probably was so riveting as a Twitter thread, because when you know something is real and based in real life and is cinematic in the way that it happened in real life, then that, that feels so magical. But sometimes translating it to the screen, you lose, I guess, some of the those higher stakes because you your expectations are just so uh so exponential when you're in a movie theater and that's why things are so heightened in movies because you expect that sort of like wow factor and i kept watching it or maybe by the end i kept thinking like but what happens like what is happening right now the story in some ways is so slight i kept waiting for those narrative structures to sort of peek through in a way that felt big to me. And you could argue a lot of things that happen during the climax are pretty big, you know, with a capital B, but I just kept thinking, yeah, you know, if this happened in real life, I could see this being enormous, but the fact that it's in a movie almost makes it feel much smaller or makes the stakes feel small to some degree. And frankly, the stakes are not small because when we get into the spoiler section uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, I think, some of the like sociological implications of what happens in this movie that are not actually small, but for whatever reason, narratively, they just don't, re- they didn't really come together for me. At the same time, I thought, uh, Dre, as you said, the aesthetics of the movie really, really work. Um, that sort of grainy 70s uh, nostalgia 
of the cinematography and have some of the, I think the interstitials on screen kind of have that vibe. I love the cinematography and the music really work. And the two lead performances from Taylor Page and Riley Keough are pretty excellent. So a lot of things definitely do work. I think I did ultimately enjoy the movie, but in some ways the gap between it being solid, like B plus versus what it really could have been with some more heightening. Uh, I think it, it kind of misses out for me, but overall, you know, a decent flick, I would say. I, um, I didn't like a moment of this movie. This was, (laughs) is it a shocker? Like not at all. This movie, no, it should be a shocker. Like this, this movie is so 100% up my fucking alley. Like someone who gets dragged into an insane situation, um, like involving sex work in, in the South. Like this is, there's like so many of my buttons are getting pressed just to the thought of this. That I was like kind of amped to see it. I'd never read the tweet thread, um, but I didn't really feel like I needed to, you know, because I was about to see a movie. And I just like, you know, it's just it's a shockingly dull, unengaging, very like I would say like the like there's a point where like the the person says like we only met yesterday, and I'm like I feel like I've seen like six scenes of these people together already. How could it only have been yesterday? And it was just things like that, that that made it almost instantaneously like difficult to get into, including the fact that like, I just think Riley Keough's performance as Stephanie is super alienating and not in the way that it should be, not in like the way that a person like this in reality is. But like, I just felt uncomfortable at the level that her performance was at. Um, and you can even hear it just in the trailer. Like it, it's almost like she's having trouble speaking the words of the script in the way that she is being asked to do it. And I think that Taylor Page has moments of good work here, but more often than not is is responding to situations with such a flat affect that it becomes difficult to really understand what her character is going through or thinking in any given situation. And it's it's a movie that isn't pitched in like, you know, like that 70s taxi driver-esque like street grit realistic kind of pitch, but also isn't at Uncut Gems level or Good Time level. You know, other movies that are kind of aping that style and going for the same thing. It's it's stuck in this weird middle ground. You know, I was saying before the, the podcast to Robin, it's not good time it's not the hangover it's not achieving any of these things it's just this really strange torpid like flat thing that i just you know was sitting there watching for an hour and a half and it was over and i just it it really i really felt like what a waste of time for me I think it's incredibly reductive to think this film wants to be anything like a Safine Brothers movie. Like there's, it's, to me, it wasn't trying to ape any of those things. It was doing an incredible job of making its own new thing. You know, she wrote it, Janixa Bravo adapted this with Jeremy O'Harris and their intent and the world they were building was so far removed from any 70s grit. Like their, their point is this is a brand new world. This is a world that moves quicker this is a move that but is it doesn't by 
feel like it's moving quicker. Like every scene to just you. drags. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a critic. All I can say is what I feel for myself. Like mm-hmm. that's the point of me speaking these words using the article I all the time. Like <laughs> I'm not saying that like every human being on earth is going to experience this movie the same way. So yeah, I I personally felt that each scene really dragged. I had no investment in what was going on because for me, it was difficult to even understand most of the characters, let alone what they were feeling or thinking in any given situation. Which is interestingly how I feel watching most like 70s mafia movies or gangster movies and stuff. I don't necessarily associate... Um, like or identify in the same way that these two characters do in approaching their life. I have not been a dancer or a sex <laughs> worker, but there was so something about the intensity of wanting to make a connection. The idea of positioning this whole story, centering these two women at it, when like I think if this was a movie from the seventies, there ha- what was happening to these women at any given moment would have just been like the background that the the first AD was directing as like the white guys around the table were having a conversation and talking (laughs) about which of them got to, you know, go have sex with these women who were never given names or agency. I think there's something really fun. I I see what you're saying about Taylor Page coming across like um, a flat performance to you, but for me, it was much more um, observational. I, I was seeing her all the time taking things in and I appreciated so much that and it's unique because it is based on a real story but this is something where I feel what I would have expected of this is if there's a a black and a white woman who are going on this kind of journey then it's the white woman who's going to be the more sort of observational audience surrogate and it's the black woman who's going to be making the questionable moral choices and just mm. that foundational shift and what that made me think about in terms of like Riley Cow's black scent, you know, she had a dialect coach. Like there's a whole, there's so much work going into this. Admittedly, you're so right. It's so grating and so hard to listen to. And part of why it's hard to listen to is that it's just raw cultural appropriation in, in like <laughs> vocal form and mm-hmm. she's doing it so well. And the better she does it, hopefully the more uncomfortable it makes you because part of you is like, Oh no, 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 baby. That is no, no, no white girl. But see, I don't think she's doing it well. Like, and again, this may be the point of the movie is I think she's doing it terribly because I have, I have heard, unfortunately, white girls speak in that way in a much more naturalistic way. So like I kept waiting for the moment where much like the character's name is X, I guess, Coleman Domingo's character like, when mm-hmm. he gets really bad, he suddenly has an accent. <laughs> so I kept expecting I that. I love that. It was weird. It was probably, like, the one It's part of, yeah, I love that. I thought that was so realistic. It was based in it. Yeah, he's a he's a Nigerian. Uh, the, the man it's based on is a, a Nigerian man and who's sort of fronting as an American. And the idea of your accent escaping you at moments of turmoil. Seems right. So and so I was expecting that same thing to happen to Riley, Riley, Riley's character. Stephanie. Just, well, we don't know how she grew up, and that I think makes a big difference too. Uh, well, we don't know I, I don't how know. any of these people grew up, <laughs> right? But I think what you're bringing up is like, oh, well, she's. I think what you're saying is that Riley Keough is doing a poor job, whereas I think she's doing a good job playing somebody playing somebody, or like somebody who has given themselves a persona 
based on whatever life circumstances that, that they've been through. Like, is her character grading? Absolutely. But I, I do think that it was a good performance of somebody who is bathing themselves in some other person's life because maybe they think that it's cultural cachet, maybe because she grew up a certain way. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, you're talking about, oh, I, I know white girls who do this and that. Like, so do I. Um, people yeah, but don't family. they usually, don't they usually, they, I, I just don't know any way to say it other than that, like, they pull it off better. Like, so it has to be that, like, Stephanie is specifically not good at this. And maybe it's supposed to be funny how bad she is. I don't think any of them, like, I think, yeah, I think Stephanie, the Riley character, is very much, and I do not know this girl's name in real life, but there was that reality show of that, like, cash me outside. Yes. Yeah. That's all I remember her saying. She, I think she, her little catchphrase was longer than that. I think but it was Doctor Phil. It was. Ca- it was. Phil. How about that? I think was at the, the end. Ah, of that. thank you. Yes, the f- never let me forget it again. I'll get a tattoo. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll how send you a cross stitch. Thank you. Oh, I would. I would treasure it forever. How about that? Catch me outside. That girl embodies exactly like a mm-hmm. sexual. Like okay, Riley's characters that, are very sexualized, and that's the exact same pitch that I heard in Riley. That girl delivers that accent. line in a way that Riley's character Stephanie is incapable. Like there's no ease in her speaking. The Cash Me Outside girl was ridiculous and appropriative, obviously, but spoke with more fluid naturalism. I don't know any other way to put it. Like, it just seems like Riley started doing that voice the day before she met Zola. And the Cash Me Outside girl definitely at some point, like three years ago, decided that's what she was going to do and is uh, now used to it. Okay. It felt more lived into me, that... but yeah. Sorry, Dre, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say I didn't have any of that. I didn't get any of that. And also, like, it, I think what you're picking up on is how I interpreted the character as being performative, like the, like Stephanie performing a certain way to ingratiate herself with either this woman or with other, you know, sex work adjacent women. Like she thinks that she's doing it to, um, to engender herself with other people. I mean, obviously it is alienating. I think it's meant to be alienating. I think it's very clear that uh, Taylor Page's character Zola is very alienated by a woman who inserts herself in black culture. And I mean, that's supposed to be very obvious. Like this movie is a critique of whiteness, like to a very high degree. Uh, I kind of wish the movie in some ways went farther than it did beyond like mm-hmm. one or two scenes of Taylor's character being like reactive by being passive to some degree. Like that, that kind of doesn't make sense. But what I mean is like, there's so many scenes like of what Brian, you interpreted as flat affect. Whereas I see Zola not having a lot of agency to be reactive because of the vulnerable situation she's in. And, would it have been, I don't know, more watchable to see her in a less passive role? I think I agree. But she's supposed to be the audience proxy. She's supposed to be the storyteller. She's supposed to be taking this all in because she's in a very dangerous situation and probably doesn't believe she has as much power to stop or end things as she may have in some other way. Like I, the, There's one scene that I keep looking back to, which is where they are... Uh, she's sitting at a poolside and this villainous 
person who will, I don't know if this is spoilers or not, but the villainous person comes up to her and starts kind of smacking her around in public. And somebody is, um, I think it was a, a pool pool guy was like, Oh, is everything okay? <laughs> and the gentleman, Mr. X is um, uh, intimidating this other guy to like, leave them the hell alone. But I just kept thinking, well, if that guy had actually called the police, so like what would have happened here? Would would Zola have stayed silent because, you know, police are not to be trusted to some degree? Or would she have said something to get herself out of the situation? Like what does um, like could this have ended had she sought help? And then again, also, what kind of help would she have uh would have been realistic for somebody in her situation for a woman Mm -hmm. who presents in a certain way that's like people see as hypersexualized or you know we also know that like there's a lot of misogynoir so like would she have gotten the help she needed had she said anything uh and i don't know also what kind of culture she grew up in we're like questioning men in authority like who knows but i I have a feeling that she felt very powerless yeah i can't imagine a black female sex worker in who's out of state in any way is going to turn to the police. Exactly. Especially when this guy very much seems like a pimp. Uh, yes. You, know, the, you mean yeah. the pimp who seems very yes, much like Yes, but a like pimp? she, he's not her pimp. Like yes, we know that he is say, not. What do you mean somebody else's like, pimp? Because uh, <laughs> the movie makes it fairly clear. Yeah. Well, he is, yeah. but you know, to out to to a police officer it just looks like a pimp sort of doing his thing and <laughs> that's really depressing that that yeah, is even yeah. like a concept um should we get into spoilers because i feel like we're just for audiences who maybe maybe have not seen the movie it might be helpful to uh yeah i'm down with that specificity sure. um yep. i was going to say like this brings up a major question in the movie which is does zola know she's being trafficked and does she recognize that Stephanie is also being trafficked because Stephanie is very much sort of positioned as the villain or like a secondary villain to Mr. X. But I see her as both a villain and a victim. I don't know if anybody else agrees or disagrees. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think Stephanie definitely is is trapped in her situation, maybe because of her... I'll just say her intelligence, right, is is kind of part of that. But I also feel bad for certain people in these kind of situations where there's just there's just not a lot of outlets for for um you know good ways out of these situations. She's obviously supporting a child as well. Um, it seems like she maybe has like a sugar daddy a little bit, but also you know very clearly has a pimp on the side. Um, there's just a lot going on with her and I don't feel like she's really had a lot of time to kind of breathe and like get a get a feeling for her situation so I kind of I feel bad for her but yeah she definitely drug uh you know <laughs> her her uh buddy Zola into this but I think what's interesting to me is how Zola as a character kind of shifts and changes throughout this movie. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that more as a observation of her intelligence of the situation. And yet like, okay, 
I get it. Like she starts to kind of pick up on the all these clues and is like, okay, I'm fucking done with this. Like I want to get at get the hell out of here. But she went on this road trip with people that she didn't hardly know and in order to make a bunch of money and she didn't think like there was potentially some bad shit that was going to go down. Like, I'm just like, I'm kind of confused about how she thought this whole situation was going to, going to unfold. And I mean, I guess maybe there are situations where, you know, you have larger than life experiences and nobody like gets sex trafficked, but I, I'm just like, man, she seems like she is so on it by the end of this film and just like on top of it, understands exactly what's happening, like how to move, how to how to kind of uh, position herself. And yet I just don't know where that was ahead of this, you know? So I'm just I'm a little confused by her character in, f- in some ways. I feel like the second she sees the back page ad, she knows the score and she knows what's up and she knows that she's been yeah. they it's um it's it's called it's like the trap. Mm-hmm. I think they even use the trap's already been set. Well no it, there's point. like a it's like a term for someone who's told that they're gonna be a stripper but then is actually forced into sex work. It's called trapping. It's like it's a thing that's, it's been referenced in like three things that I've watched in the last month. Oh, so apparently it's okay. in the zeitgeist. Um, <laughs> I just yeah. know about so trap much. music. So, okay. Yeah, no, it's not because it, there's there is trap music in the concept of like a trap house and like trapping as being just yeah. working hard. But no, this is a different kind of trap. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't believe we're conflating these things right now. <laughs> we're not conflating them. I'm saying that the word trap has many different meanings. Yeah. And the one I'm using is when you were told you were going to be a stripper or exotic dancer or something and then are then forced into non-consensual sex work yeah my 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 thought bill is that i to me how it came across was that zola has been if not in this exact scenario before in similar ones and they worked out for her or she's heard about it yeah and she's someone who is um uh she's both you know we meet her because she's a waitress at like a hooters or something and she's also Mm -hmm. a stripper and she's doing that because you can't make enough money doing just one. And yep, so yep. she's someone who's, you know, probably looking for employment opportunities and mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. done things. And like, um, you know, guys, if hustlers taught me anything, it's that strippers get make more money if they work in teams. So who knows? I mean, if she's done something similar with this, if she's met girls, like there is a sort of sorority of of dancers that goes across. And I do think that she seemed taken aback when it's not just her, because it's set up by Stephanie that it's just the two of these gals going on the road. And so it's immediately questionable when she gets in the car and then there's these two polar opposite men. Well, Um, and, and, and there's like that text thread, right. Where she's like, uh, I think, meet us at two or like be ready and we'll meet you at two and she's like who is us exactly. you know she, so she's she's already kind of on to the game ahead of time but it's like it, when when my feelers are up and i'm like whoa, 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 whoa what's what's going on like can we, can we not plan this out like another another weekend and it's like no it's got to be this weekend. and it's like Mm, that's usually a bad sign you know right. it's like okay she may okay. not have the luxury to like pick sure. and choose yeah, yeah no no I, 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 I totally get feel that invincible like you know if sure. I was a beautiful woman in my 20s and just like 
How the fuck yeah. would join yeah, me no. and like if someone wants to give me five thousand dollars dance naked? Uh, I'd consider it. Like, <laughs> well, it's it's yeah, it's even funny. I know a lot of people it, who've done that. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Like that's what you do. It's it's you know this is just another episode where Brian Rowan gets to flesh out his friends group a little more. Like <laughs> well, it's, the same with what hustlers I, and Shiva, baby. What, what I love is the fact that when she's told that she uh, has to wear pasties and and panties, and she's like, "What the fuck? Like, where did you take me?" And I'm just like, "Oh, okay." Because that's not uh, the type she, of place where you make five thousand dollars. I, I, yeah, exactly, I, I, Brian, she, exactly. she she says that, and I, I get that, but I was just like, "Oh." Okay, like she is fucking in it for, to win it, right? And I'm just That's like, all right. Why she's there? She's there <laughs> to win it. Yeah, no, she's she's there as an as an entrepreneur. And she's on that grind. She knows what she's selling. She's on that grind. Um, mm-hmm. And well, that's you know, not I like a, the, it, Oh, go ahead. It's not a mistake that when she finds out that a guy paid hundred and fifty dollars to to fuck Stephanie. Yep. She's like, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> No, you don't. Plus, he is worth thousands. Right? She's uh. like, uh, "Let me hear." We're gonna take better pictures. It's just gonna be you, by the way, and uh, we're gonna ask for five hundred because uh, lonely men who will pay for sex will pay for a lot of money for sex. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a there's something there too about the value of self. There's that thing that you know that yeah people know your worth. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> I'm I'm con- I'm combining stripping when i say sex work and i know not everyone including a lot of dancers think of it as sex work and some sure, do. sure but in saying that like there's something you know sex workers more than anyone know the value of self and the importance of that and if you are like rating yourself low you're not going to be making the money and the choices that you make and how you're judged on a societal level for what you do you know it, it has to be something that's like that i liked Zola as this very like the oldest profession stripped down version entrepreneur of yeah I'd like to go on a road trip and make some big money this weekend thank you Mm -hmm. and then having things fall apart from there and then the things that open up and and what it tells us like the, the differences between how Zola sees her own worth and the worth of what they do and again she's not engaging in the same sex work that Stephanie is but she's also looking at for Stephanie who's has this pimp who is like lowballing her taking all of her money. Like she has such a horribly dysfunctional. I say this, like there's all these functional relationships. With <laughs> yeah. You get what I mean, right? There's one guy who like runs it like a legitimate business and is kind, but like, let's, yeah, let's, I would say like, that's not the dude, norm. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> you guys get it. This this is getting dangerously close to slave owners that were good. Like, uh, yeah, there's right? just like, my only. The, in fact, the only thing I can think of from pop culture that might come close to that is Will Ferrell and the other guys when he doesn't even realize that him being Gator <laughs> is a pimp. <laughs> yes. Okay. He could be our he could be our archetype for this imaginary thing, but this, right, he's, you know that. Start of, like when it gets really into the crunch of it and for if people have or haven't seen this they're on this they think they're gonna just she thinks she's just gonna go and strip and make all this money sure it turns sure. out like no actually um x this pimp that's with them is setting this up and they're supposed to like be servicing man after man after man 
And Stephanie is, in fact, the person who has sex with these men. Zola steps in, sets up a whole other page for her, charges more, gets in, you know, gets involved with that. And and Bill, you said something that I think is another part of, you know, we don't know the backgrounds of these women. We we aren't given a whole, we're just given this sort of general state of what you can presume about characters. What we do know, the difference of um intelligence, of sort of cognitive curiosity between the two of them, like Zola mm-hmm. is questioning every scene she is studying she is wondering like she knows what she wants out of this and then it's pretty clear that that's not going to happen and then it's a sort of protective mode whereas stephanie's character is not as intelligent she is not being shrewd in the same way she's not looking out for her in the same way and i find that such an interesting thing like so many so many films so many stories take advantage of the idea of the difference of what people bring into a shared situation and looking at this and looking at like, Oh, these are two dancers, two potential sex workers and like their backgrounds. We don't know, but I do mm-hmm, know what they're mm-hmm. armed with and what they're armed with is so, so very different. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, and yeah. how I read it is that they're both in survival mode, but mm. on two different ends of the spectrum because sure, sure. knows what the stakes are. And is sort of in some ways mirroring Mr. X's behavior. Like she knows, um, she knows what is going to keep him calm and what's going to rile mm. him up, and kind of plays it for her own self-interest. So, like, and maybe she's not as shrewd or or as uh, as savvy as zola is but maybe it's just been beaten out of her to some degree well, I, 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 I think pathetic take i i think i think on the flip side i have to give stephanie credit a little bit because it does seem like she is aware a little bit of her situation and that kind of comes out when cousin greg like has this kind of meltdown <laughs> and starts starts mentioning that she's doing it again she's trapped I, I i do think brian she does say the word you've trapped another girl or something along those lines i can't remember she, she he says something along those lines and she's like no no he's just an idiot he doesn't know what he's talking about and you can kind of see the dynamic there is kind of similar to the way that kind of Zola is observing and is kind of above a lot of the situation where the situation with her and you know I I get it because there's obviously like a sexual situation going on there with her quote-unquote roommate Um, but you know it's also she is kind of taking advantage of him or not kind of like a lot right um who's taking advantage of who (laughs) well so stephanie is taking advantage of cousin greg right but stephanie braun will never be nicholas braun ever again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's he's always gonna be cousin Greg. He's not even ever gonna be Greg. He's, I've also no. I've never even seen Succession, and I refer to him as cousin Greg. Oh, <laughs> that is really good, and it's you should watch. It's pervasive. Yeah, no, I've heard yeah, great he's, things. Yeah. That he's, long, he's pathetic man. <laughs> I think he's um, very cute. Of course. Oh, co- okay. Can we all pause to gasp in collective shock that Robin thinks cousin <laughs> Greg is cute? <laughs> A gangly, oh awkward white man? Hell yeah. Uh, who would have thunk <laughs> it? 
I did look at some red carpet pictures of him, and in a couple of those shots, he is Clean looking very dapper. Yeah. yeah, he looks he looks real good. And then and then you put him in the cousin Greg garb, and you're just like, oh, cousin oh, Greg. Oh, yeah, but it's uh, worse but, when he's wearing like a backward cap and like whatever that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, like, okay. A diamond but, miner beard. Like I don't even know what that did is. Did you see a diamond miner beard? Like, like, it's a it's chin a, strap. It's a chin. He's got like strap. a very a severe, strap. very precise chin strap. I've yes. never heard of that term. Oh, but. chin strap is it's a real again, pardon the colloquialism, real white trash staple. It just uh-huh. it just gently hugs the edge of a jaw, especially in men who have a softer jawline. <laughs> yeah, it just looks as, like as one of Snow White's that... buddies. Like one of those like little <laughs> midget I I shouldn't say the word. But like Snow White has those friends. I can't the, remember the, the dwarves. Little, dwarves. Little, little, thank you. Little people. Little no, people. they're dwarves. She, they're, they're fucking the dwarves. They're, they're not species. They're not humans with a growth disorder or whatever. They are mystical creatures. Yeah, <laughs> they are they dwarves. Are. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. You are allowed to call tiny people with wings fairies. You are allowed to call yeah. cave dwelling short people dwarves. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely their own species. They are dwarves. Couldn't remember the name. But anyway, that's what he looks like with that beard. Yeah, it's a very it's a very dopey. He looks very yes. dopey. Yes. <laughs> I will say, I'm glad you mentioned, though, that the wardrobe of it, Janixa actually started, well, she did a lot of things, but I know she worked as a stylist. And the clothing choices oh. in this are uh-huh. impeccable. Oh, and like, the makeup the and clothing, the hair. The makeup, the hair, all of it, the, the glam squad, as we would call it back in music video days. But like, it's, I, you get so much, you know, every single one of those characters and like Coleman's, the colored suit. Yes. Like, Greg's dopey ass, baggy pants. Like What I love about X's outfits, though, is that they're flashy, but like they actually work. And I don't know if that's Coleman pulling that off or what, but I was just like, be. all right, this, this guy's rocking it. Like I, like, you yeah. know, it, it is, it is what it is. Is It's kind of the pimp style fashion, which isn't necessarily a great thing to be like, Hey, that looks good. But you know, I think he's pulling it off. So. No, I think you should give it a go, Bill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think find the inspiration. No, I, I just, I love, there's so much detail to it and so much believability and that it comes across even more. You get this great moment where right before one of the most harrowing scenes of sex work that like gives me, and which is probably part of what Brian's talking about of like wanting a shower when you leave this movie. It's just so overwhelming and gross and terrible. And it involves several people. And while they're there, you have this, you go into a different moment and this is where you get to see Stephanie's side of the story. And this of course is taken from the, <laughs> the actual Reddit thread that the real life Jessica wrote about this where like she was saying like oh it's actually zola who said everything and i'm just an innocent and i've found jesus and i whatever and even in that the styling and that she you know she does this revisionist history of what we've already seen and she's in this like tacky like bright jacqueline smith suit looking yes thing. it was and like we, a, like an avon lady pink yes mary Kay. yeah she had <laughs> yeah, mary Kay, Kay vibe yeah. and then you know, Taylor Page comes and instead of the sort of beautiful with the beautiful oh, yeah. hair, oh, stuff, yeah. she, she's got like hay in her hair and like this like super cheap clothes and like 
Snacky at one gener- at one point she is full on fucking wearing a trash bag with trash yes. bags in her. Yes. 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 And, <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god! You're the trash bag dress. Hello, Cruella. Like, <laughs> there'd be more than one. I it's just, I, I, I love that kind of detail, and that it could take again. Like, that truly is such a dark, overwhelming moment. Like, whenever I see anything in film that makes me think of with the cringe, like, oh god, this is happening in real life for sure somewhere right now, which is weirdly mm. a feeling I had with, um. Oh, that Rosamund Pike movie that came out this year. Um, oh, I care a lot. I care a lot. I had the same like, oh, I'm taken out of these hijinks because someone is screwing over old people somewhere. Yeah. But in Zola, right? Like I had the same thing in Zola of, oh, no, like I've been on this sort of fantasy spree, but this is a gross thing that is happening somewhere for real. And so, oh, a little respite of now we're going to go to a Reddit thread to get Stephanie's perspective. And like, <laughs> to me, that's the kind of controlled chaos of this story that, that it knew its beats. Bill, I know mm-hmm. you mentioned it being feeling messy to you, but intentionally so. And I totally agree. The mess for me certainly worked because it felt vibrant and of the moment and very happening, but it was definitely like, what, where am I going? There's so much happening all the time, which is how I feel when I'm in chaotic moments like that myself. Not the exact same chaotic moments. Mine are <laughs> much, more, much more tame. But you know the thing when just life is just like I'm overwhelmed, and that's how I felt in good ways for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, yeah, I didn't no, like d- that moment. I I found that and maybe maybe d- d- I have the to Twitter thread or the Reddit the, thread the Reddit thing. thing. First of all, I didn't know that was a thing that came from real life. Um, it seemed like it was. I don't know. Um, what was I gonna say? We've talked a lot about, like, how culpable is Stephanie. And I don't know. But, like, clearly X isn't offering, like, 401k and dental and, like, making this a decision that you can make on your own. Like, he's perfectly willing to pull a gun on and threaten a stranger. And he's Mm -hmm. clearly very good at, like, manipulating Stephanie. Even though, I don't know how good of a pimp he could be if he doesn't even realize how much men are willing to pay. True. Yeah, I, I was I was like, man, you are selling her down the river and then not asking for it. I, I don't know what that uh, phrase actually means, but uh, yeah, Bad. I'm probably going to push her. Like he's it just it just feels <laughs> yeah, weird selling that, her short. I don't know how long he's yeah. been doing this, but you'd think at some point he would have just tried to bump the price up and see what yeah. happens. Yeah. But anyway, me, I, I read that as much of a, oh, he values the men. And having them come through quickly yes. and easily way more than he's worried about her having to like work five times. He's not a work smarter, not harder kind but of But it's it's not even that because she was doing it for 20 minutes and the 500 is for 15 minutes. And I am assuming that it doesn't, it's not going to, my assumption would be that you can only fit a certain number of people in per night. <laughs> <laughs> and so you'd start to do some multiplication and division to try to figure out how many people you get, you know, again, maybe I'm giving too much credit to a pimp that they would do that arithmetic. But if this is their well, livelihood and they're, they they yeah. moved across the fucking country to do this for a weekend, you'd think that there would be. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is, <laughs> sh- sh- I feel as though it is fair to assume that Stephanie did not wake up one day 
with a super happy like life and everything going great and you know a name on a marquee at a law firm and then decide that she was going to be exactly this yeah and so it feels like to bring to bring it in at that moment when she is about to be part of excuse the term but it's what it's called in a movie a gangbang yeah to drag her probably shame driven desire to save face into it just felt a little fucked up oh i thought why i thought that was exactly when she would do it Mm. oh okay okay so so you're saying the reddit thread at that point at that point like say say earlier you know sure something like that just at that point to have it to like to have it be like a requiem for a dream moment and then to cut in with her delusional Christ only knows what kind of trauma driving her weird, you know, racist, but also like just feverishly self-delusional desire to change her own life story. Like, Mm -hmm. it just feels really odd. I just, it felt gross to see it at that moment, specifically. (laughs) I didn't really put that together, so, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just a way to sort of twist what could have potentially been an unreliable narrator situation and then just makes you realize that that is an even more unreliable narrator situation Mm -hmm. like it was it was like trying to turn things on their head and then actually just reinforced the i guess the comedy juxtapositions but i don't know i just I, i i didn't have any problem with the way that was edited or where that was placed in the film it sort of it made sense to me that mm-hmm. that was an interlude before a particular could have what could have been a particularly harrowing scene and then just didn't we didn't go through it but it did remind me that i thought the sex work mon- montage um in that scene where you you have zola kind of fixing the back page ad and then getting more customers and I wouldn't call it empowering by any means, but there was something so well done about that montage that was just both grimy and sad, but also like a little bit funny, but not funny because of what's happening, but just funny because some of the imagery. um, Well, I think I I was just going to say that's when all of the naked dongs start flying across. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, I think like Harlan. in in a lot of movies, this is one of those moments where it's like the tides are changing, right? Like for the sports team, it's like all of a sudden it's halftime and they're up, right? And, you know, it, for whatever other movie, it's like, okay, they finally got some punches in and now it's starting to shift. And, and this is kind of like played as this kind of like joyous moment where you're you as an audience is being told like you should be celebrating this time right like you should be happy about like what is going on and so there is kind of like that mixed messaging of like you know it's like okay but you know she is seems willing but it's like very much obvious that like you know, she's got a lot of background going on with X behind her and things like that, where you're just like, okay, it seems like this is a win because at least she's making more money, which is kind of ultimately the goal here this weekend. But it's also like, yeah, but 
would she be doing this of her own accord? And I just don't know. So I can't root for it. But, you know, and I think I think it takes a lot for a filmmaker to put the audience in that kind of position where I don't know how to feel as an audience member. You know, I don't know to feel like good because this is a very complicated situation where I'm like, okay, at least they're making money off of this. Yeah. So are we actually rooting for the pimp? It seems like a victory. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like a victory because Zola's like, I can do this better than the pimp can. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then I kind of wondered like, oh, is that where this is going to go? Where she like somehow takes it over. <laughs> sure, you know. Well, I I think at one point she doesn't she mention I I can't remember if this is like a, a fever dream section or something, but she mentions like you have a lot of money, like we have a lot of ca- like when they bring out eight thousand dollars in just straight up cash, I was like, holy fuck! It's like right before like, they go to the motel room with the guys with the guns, right? She's like, we just have a uh-huh. shit ton of money, like we could go somewhere, we could do literally anything else right now. Yeah, we could get the fuck out of here. I am. Like, um, I did want to. Yeah. I wanted to go back for a second to that that uh, the montage of of. I almost said the montage of Dick. Because um, <laughs> I guess my brain was like montage of Heck, the Kurt Cobain documentary. <laughs> Let's uh, warp that around. It, was it, it? I didn't know how to take this when it comes to the really, really, really big penis, and then it like <laughs> scrolls back up and then hearts it. Yeah. Did that? That. That felt well, weird to I, me, just because like um, I, it's I mean, like that, yeah, that I stripper... understand like the concept of wanting in a consensual relationship, perhaps uh, a large member, but like maybe if you're you know Listen, being forced be into sex it, work, if you can enjoy it while you're doing it, like that's you know yeah. you'll never work a day in your life. It doesn't <laughs> ever seem like she's enjoying it though, and no, once again well, well, she is being say... threatened. And having her child threatened to doing it. So it felt a little weird. I was grateful for Stephanie's character that as much as she seems like a just stone cold dum-dum and has like all these extenuating circumstances, she does not seem to be someone who is suffering through what she's doing. um, Good or bad. She's She's not filled with shame for it. She's not like pleading for like oh not without my daughter like she's not searching for evie i mean she does like break down crying asking zola not to leave right because she doesn't want to make x mad yeah but wasn't that just like fragile white tears is it i don't know it's very difficult to tell again to me that's how i read it i think that and and I, i agree that there is a lot of um like sticky and nuanced readings of this yes check but there is something of you know having that playful element of it it was keeping in mind this whole time that again something that this this movie is giving us that we don't always see is that the drama in this isn't that these women are trying so desperately out to get out of this world in general it's these immediate circumstances that put them at threat or like for Zola, it's a larger element of like, Oh, these people and this night that I'm involved in. Um, But I liked that it wasn't giving us the standard preachiness of, Oh no, these poor women. Yeah. The the hall with the the hot Exactly. Like the dregs of society forced to sell their bodies and that, 
that like that I was getting like senses of playfulness through that was telling me and reminding me of, no, this is a different kind of story and they are having a different kind of reaction to their lives in this world. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Bill, you kind of brought up earlier, like why the hell would Zola have gotten in that car? Why would she agree to go on a road trip with somebody that she knew for like a hot minute? And I've been thinking about that. I don't know if Brian or Bill could relate to this, but maybe you can, Drea. Drea, have you ever just like made a fast friend and like the faster the friendship, the harder it falls? Absolutely. And I just kind of felt, yeah, like this is the classic fast friendship. Like you I made friends with people in jury duty. (laughs) Then I was like, jury duty and we had lunch together for however many days because you have to and I was like oh these people are great and literally was like oh I could see we could get it we could go to Palm Springs and get like a rent what am I talking about they're random people I met at jury duty I kept on like I Facebook friended them and that was about it and now I couldn't yep. tell you any of their names wow that is, that is a remarkable story uh, I just I'm, I mean my, this that might my not Zola is jury duty yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> You should do a tweet thread about the it. Wild life of Drea. I, so I never, I never fucking do that. But also, I'm a deeply suspicious, untrusting human being, you know. So I think that might. And just I'm a be camp good. counselor, so. Right. You know. Oh no, I like look at friends that I've had for twenty years, and like when they text me, my immediate thought is, "What the fuck does this person need from me?" Like, now, that's not to say that, like, back in my crazy college days, I didn't get into, like, you know, in terms, like, I went to another southern city and accidentally got dragged into a heroin deal. Like, you know, I have had things happen to me, but, you know. who amongst us? That was with someone that I ostensibly trusted, so... Yeah, like... uh, Not after that, though. The the, the, the other thing... The no, other yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, it was 100% Bill got me involved in a heroin. <laughs> Jesus. Um, you, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that I always have to remember also the age that these people are playing as yeah. well. Right. And so like. I I did some really stupid shit in my 20s and and teenage years and I don't know the age of these people but you know it's it's I don't want to say it's easy to write it off as oh those stupid like you know 20 year old kids or whatever um but definitely like I can see 20 year old people that get a little money get a little responsibility and are all of a sudden just fucking down this path yeah, where they're these- just like what the fuck am I doing with my weekend and what is going on right now? Like, this is not what I agreed to. This is not what I intended to do. And yet you're well, so in this situation. We talked about this stuck. in another movie, didn't we? Where it's like, if you have like a teenager or an early 20 year old who's played by like a 30 or 40 year old, it's like an issue because like suddenly nothing they do makes sense. Sure. So like and I'm I, watching I, these people I, and I don't know how I, old they were when all this went down, but I'm looking at them as like, that is a late 20s human being making you know, yeah, early... they're meant to be late twenties. Yeah, are they? Yeah. So, so Taylor Page is thirty, and Riley is thirty-two. But how old so, are the characters? It, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't mean. know. I think, I think Asia Zola King was late twenties, at least when this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. In twenty fifteen, yeah. Wait, when she mm-hmm. tweeted it? Yeah, that's. When she did it happen? It like soon after it happened. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. 
you know, I mean, again, late twenties. I can see it. I don't know. <laughs> late twenties is the point where I'm like, you got to start slowing the shit down. Well, yeah, that's that's when you start thinking about making five thousand dollars in a night. <laughs> You're yes, like, yes. maybe maybe that's worth it. Maybe I take this risk. You maybe know, I make I'm not gonna smart investment slash trip to Miami or Tampa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you think about Miami and you're like, doesn't sound that bad. And and then you get in that car and you're like, at first, I definitely thought it was just a standard Jeep. And I was like, whose Jeep is this? And then it turns out that this is fucking G-Wagon, which if you know anything about cars, you know that that is a hundred and fifty. It is a hundred and fifty thousand dollar like SUV. What? Oh, it's a fucking ridiculous <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I, think, I think they start at like 80K and just okay. keep going up from Wait there. A second. And it's just it's just like, what the fuck is this thing? I needed so. to know. Such a good detail. I did not know that. I needed to know this. And thus, I went to apparently Time Magazine. <laughs> In 2015, at the age of 19, Zola chronicled a mostly true tale oh, epic proportion. <laughs> Jesus, I could I could see this happening to 19 year olds. So real suddenly, quick. everything makes <laughs> oh, sense shit. to me. Yeah. So you have a a person who I would assume was like 28 ish when this movie was filmed, maybe playing a 19 year old. That's that's I think might be part of what's throwing me off. I sure. guess I think people in their 20s are such idiots that it still made sense to me. <laughs> early 20s. Early 20s. Let's be generous. I'm, I'm getting older. I'm happy to say all 20s. <laughs> just the older you get, the I'm, more you, you think that the younger generation yes. is a bunch of shitty people. Yeah. Just, yeah no, not shitty. Sense. Just stupid. No, stupid and shitty are synonymous <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, did, I did some stupid shit in my 20s. Yeah. I did incredibly uh, ignorant stupid dangerous again i will i will tell you all again i was once part of a heroin deal (laughs) it is funny though because earlier someone had said something like you know i can't even remember what it was but it made me think of how once the heroin deal was over i turned to my friend and said i don't understand why you wouldn't prepare me for that like i i will do a heroin deal with you but you need to let me know that we're about to do a heroin deal so i can expect and prepare for a heroin deal (laughs) <laughs> i like the deal elements of it it makes it sound like you had to do a lot of negotiating he had to i just had to i think that me and another friend were brought along as like quote-unquote muscle yes um, which you is were the ri- muscle in a heroin deal that's which is ridiculous <laughs> because the guy we sold it to was a huge Wrong, star trek the- nerd <laughs> who offered us vitamin water like this was it yeah. was it was not a sketchy. I mean, it was sketchy look, as shit. Look, it was a heroin. You don't deal, know but. who you're selling to. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Like, just say no, kids. They don't come. They don't come. They don't come with a rating on them. Like this seller has a five star rating. I am like, almost perfect. positive that somewhere uh, through an onion browser on the deep web, you can find like the the yes. Yelp for heroin dealers. <laughs> <laughs> don't sell to white guy greg he's really fucking weird and he will make you watch a next generation episode <laughs> oh well, jesus when i was in college i lived in the substance free dorm for three years so that is my did, wild did you people actually like not have substances um for the most part because our dorm was like you know legally supposed to be substance free, but there were no. A these shit were the self-selecting kids who didn't want to 
who didn't want to have any parties around them. They could mm. wanted to go. This to sounds like the honor them. storm <laughs> that I, mean, I was the invited whole college to. Was the honor storm? <laughs> like, okay, okay, yeah. I was definitely invited to the honor storm at some point, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. No." <laughs> we did. We had the dorm with the least damage at the end of the year. Everything we smelled nice and I was beer. I was in a dorm that was filled with people who were in the scholars program, and we were fucking maniacs. We made our own <laughs> prison hooch. We got fake IDs. <laughs> we snorted Ritalin. We did every bad thing that you could possibly do in a dormitory. I was always very scandalized by the students that I saw smoking cigarettes. Oh, I did that too. Cigarettes. Yeah. But see, that's allowed. Like, that's the one legal thing that we were doing. Oh, well, <laughs> the only time that I remember getting really bad dorm damage was when um, my friends played, I guess, like tag inside the dorm and somebody, like, <laughs> fucked up a door yeah we, we did um assassin you know you'd sign up and you'd oh, shoot each other assassin. yeah, yeah. you throw socks at each other <laughs> yeah so that was a big thing anyway I, uh, I was like very i did so well because i had disguise i had a blonde wig i had like big <laughs> oh thick God. glasses and i wore a beanie and like a trench coat nobody knew it was me and i was i got really good at stalking people <laughs> wow <laughs> i have photographic go. evidence that's impressive. Um, we have eight minutes until Robin has to go. So oh, we sorry, should... yes. <laughs> I'm glad that we all... But yes, so anyway, I don't even remember what we were saying. I don't know, you but I'm delighted to have this insight to the younger versions of you. <laughs> uh, I think I think where this was all coming from and stemming from was uh, we found out that Zola, when she had 19, all this... Yeah. yeah, 19. And we were like, so okay, we're everything like, in uh, this... Yes, yep. It all snaps Makes into sense. place. Yeah. yeah, I I do like that X's like what the fuck are you doing, cousin Greg? Moment actually turns out to actually end up in something in this film, and I was like, oh man, cousin Greg really fucked up. Like, and like the way that that guy plays him, I'm just like, oh my god, dude! Like, no, like. <laughs> You can't get done like this. Guys, so we can't yeah. forget to talk about my favorite character. I don't know who she is or why she exists. But oh, I'm the, pretty sure she's Mr. X's wife. The very large oh, blonde woman. Oh, yeah. my hero. <clears throat> she was my hero. Like, she's the I best character in the movie, right? In <laughs> yeah, every yeah. way that one can be a good character in a movie. Like she's talk about the muscle. She yes. fucking pulls a gun on them, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" I was like, shit. "Can I have your beautiful face and your beautiful body and your she beautiful stiletto Sophie heels uh, a foot? Uh, not a foot. She stiletto heels a phone just to death. Yeah, oh, and yes. she like, yeah, because they they drive up to the place where Mister X has got to pull some John Wick shit, and um, she like kisses him <laughs> and is like, "I love you. Go fucking murder people." She was just like, "I love you, baby." or something like that oh, work. yeah so exactly. she she is a mother who is a plus size model yeah she looked like a plus size model she's stunning yeah. i she's think got, that yeah. the character she's based on is um was bankrolling him 
Oh. So she should be furious that he was underselling as much as he was. <laughs> this is so true. She she should have micromanaged. She should have been the kind of boss that nobody likes and been like, what I knew 19-year-olds who were dealing weed who were still doing market-driven research to figure <laughs> out who they could charge the most for. Like, they yes. would be aware of shortages and they would bump their prices up. It was fucking ridiculous. Like... And these are philosophy majors, you know? So even though they're in college, they're still not math people. That's still, though, they're they're people who are meant to be thinking. He is a man of action. See, that's the thing, is I don't think he should be a pimp. I think he should be an enforcer. He should be the muscle. Yes. Okay, well, there you go. But that's That's, why I think the wife is the brain. You should be able to track him down. You can tell him to play to his strengths. (laughs) Right. As as Robin said, the wife is the brains. And at some point, she's got to be like, look. We tried you in a managerial position. It's not working. <laughs> yeah, you failed up. The Peter Principle just yeah. threw your life in disarray. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's another thing, though, now, is that, like, <clears throat> it's one thing to watch Riley Keough, who, you know, again, is 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 in her 30s, I assume, Um and and is is acting like this but like again if if it were like a teenager who this was going through i feel like there would be more i don't know if it sympathy is the right word but maybe more thought and like i know robin what you're talking about with like the fragile white woman tears like i saw the thing with that fucking crazy woman in the victoria's secret yeah but like there is a difference between doing that in a victoria's secret in a mall and doing it in a hotel room after you have had a man with a gun tell you that you're gonna you're gonna do sex work i'm not saying that that is not a realistic thing that could potentially happen i'm saying that is how the film positioned it i think that is again part of that critique of whiteness that the director is getting at that i kind of wish had been even more explicit or even more kind of thought through um a friend of mine kind of put it this way and i i it, it was not the thought that first came to mind but i kind of agree with her to some degree which is that the film sort of uses Stephanie as a punching bag for the, like that the audience is supposed to see Stephanie as like an idiot, a dummy, a woman who deserves what she gets because she is white. And this is actually not a a white woman who is making this argument. My friend, Um, she's a woman of color. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way of seeing it. I, I, I'm kind of inclined to sort of see that from her position, which is that, Stephanie is used as a clown figure because of her whiteness. Um, Whereas I guess when I was reading it, I kept thinking, Oh, here's like a woman who is uh, been trafficked, like is, is a trafficker because she has been trafficked herself and has sort of been Mm -hmm. pulled into that lifestyle. So I was, I guess, personally more empathetic to her than I think the film is or the director is. Or even Zola herself is because Zola's fucking pissed that she got her life was put in danger because of any of this to begin with. But I, I do sort of question the flipness or, or the, um, yeah, I guess just the flipness of of how her character is treated. So I want to make it clear I'm I'm not necessarily saying that like it, it's not valid for a woman to be crying and upset in that situation. I think Bravo. Uh, purposefully positions it so that we're supposed to read that as like manipulative white frailty. 
Yeah, I think that um, Melanie McFarland uh, wrote for Salon yes, a really yes. nice take on this. She's a, a black critic who who spoke um, or wrote, sorry, specifically about the the racial dynamic between the women and how the story of Zola is really a critique on this white female fragility. And I do I do appreciate and wish that there was more cooked in empathy for Stephanie she is so gung-ho and like all for it and it's that kind of thing like we see again this the meta elements of talking about like real life when this is based on something in real life but we do see this often in the news of women who are jailed or suffer consequences related to sex trafficking when they were themselves sex trafficked and things like that I think that there is the possibility for that I didn't require it in this story because I felt so in line with like what was being said. Um, but I would love to see more things that take on these kind of really specific complexities um, and that maybe give, and then, the, you know, then the next one. So that this one does, you guys, this one doesn't have to be the, the story that speaks for all um, sex working criminals right. and trips <laughs> to Miami. Do you know what I mean? Like, let there be Everybody so should be watching P-Valley. That show is freaking oh, so Valley's good. fantastic. I've never heard yes. of P-Valley before. Uh, it's stripper, on Showtime. Southern Gothic. Never heard of Showtime Shakespearean. before. <laughs> it's so good. The acting on that show is like, mm, the dancing on that show. Mm. Yeah. You know how like Crackle is now owned by like uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul Productions or whatever? I wouldn't I be surprised. I swear to God, that's a real thing that I just said. I wouldn't okay. be surprised if Showtime was owned by like I don't know the seven people you met in Heaven Productions or something like that. <laughs> really? Because I think some of their program is programming is really good. Well, They're here's sort the problem: of like the Prestige Lifetime right now. Oh, I have no fucking clue what's on Showtime. I just, I just Black don't. Monday, a lot of Black female Monday's heavy great. programming. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's the that's like Paul Shear and his people, right? Outlander. Um. Yeah. Outlanders on stars. Wait, what was I saying? <laughs> Showtime. Oh no! Fuck Showtime. Stars. stars wow. That's how. That's how bad Showtime is. You <laughs> mounted a passionate defense of it and didn't even realize that you were not talking about the right. I channel. thought I was. I mean, I. I guess I saw the S in my mind and was thinking stars. No, Showtime is like really the poor man's HBO stars is where it's at so you agree with my joke is what you're saying um now yes okay <laughs> i slipped <laughs> i think it's my fault i think i erroneously credited um what's p valley to showtime not stars i thought it was wait so is have an s in the name like whatever Am do I we know where p valley is p valley is on stars it, it is, is on stars set in mississippi Stars also had uh, what's it call it uh, party down. Stars is Hamilton. Yes, nope, Phil. This is all totally germane. <laughs> anyway, um, are there any final thoughts on Zola before we wrap it up? Nope. Okay. Good. Good times. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's uh, that's Zola. It is out in theaters now, and once again, will be on VOD shortly. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, at the end of the month, I think. Yes. I believe uh, our benevolent, benevolent Lord and Master Jordan Raup told me today that it would be out the 23rd. Um, I'm sure that when we tweet this out, we will then once again tweet out about it uh, when the movie hits the uh, the VODs. Yeah. All right. Uh, Rambar, what are we talking about next week? We are talking about No Sudden Move. 
Mm-hmm. Again, a movie that I was not aware of existed until today because <laughs> I just I'm not up on things anymore. It's just it's okay. My, my brain works. I've got too much stuff going on. So look forward to that. Uh, that'll be next week's show. And um, that that's on that's on the the HBO Max, right? I believe yes. so. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet either. So we have some homework. But you were aware I of have, it. I have, and it is. <laughs> I was kind of like minimally aware of it. I mean, normally I would know if a Soderbergh is coming out, but yeah. for some reason it just kind of slipped by. Yeah, I feel like him and Linklater have that problem where it's like you're either super excited for it or it catches you off guard. Yes, I yep. agree. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Boyhood forward- sucked. <laughs> Wait, oh, what geez. sucked? Boyhood. Boyhood. Boyhood was great. No. Um, I can't even remember what I was going to say now because I'm so mad about You're that so opinion. Upset. Um, <laughs> don't remember or don't remember. Don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a three thirty day trial. Again, that's mubi.com slash filmstage, and you can check out Hua, uh, which stars Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> it's on there now. And uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And um, my phone has actually been blowing up during this entire recording because I think DJ Becca was on there trying to shout at me something about our Fast 9 episode that just dropped. So (laughs) I got to go check that out. Uh, So if you would like to know what DJ Becca was screaming at me about, uh, join our Patreon and you can become part of our Slack channel. And uh, I think that's it. So you let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears. Uh, Let's begin with our guest, Trey Clark. Where can people find your stuff online? All right, so I'm on Twitter at the Drea Clark. I'm a sporadic tweeter, but I'm there. And um, you can listen to Maximum Film. Yeah, Maximum podcast. Film. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <clears throat> Bill Graham. Uh, you can definitely not find me on Backpage. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at CableVFG. You can also find me on uh, on Instagram at Billstagram. Okay, what about mixing it up on the Slack channel? No, not right now. <laughs> no, he's too busy. He's too busy for the Slack channel right now. <laughs> Um, now here's the problem is that because you said you definitely can't find me on Backpage I feel like everyone now has to say we also cannot <laughs> be found Backpage doesn't exist anymore there was like a law like, yeah there was like a, I remember like that it. being a thing uh, just like there's like no casual encounters on Craigslist anymore <laughs> wait wait maybe I'm confusing that is Backpage still a thing now I don't know I'm not googling that <laughs> yeah I'm a single father <laughs> like I can't afford to have that on my search history. Um, one of our degenerate listeners, please tweet at us and tell us a back page. Uh, you you got to use uh. DuckDuckGo. Come on, people. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. All right. Uh, Robin Barr, where can people find your stuff online? Yeah, find me um, at Robin Barr, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my Twitter. Um, you can find some of my writing on The Hollywood Reporter and other places. And I'm also on Letterboxd under my name. All right. As for me, I am on everything under my name. That is Brian J. Rowan. Uh, it's Instagram. That's Facebook. That's Twitter. That's Letterboxd. Um, yeah. If you if you if Backpage exists and there is an at Brian J. Rowan, I don't know if they use the at nomenclature there. Uh, please let me know. <laughs> I would be very interested to talk to that person. <laughs> um, you can also find my stuff on my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. If you're in the Maryland area or outside of DC in any way and you'd like to get uh, some drinks that I have made, go to SchmidtSpirits.com to learn more about that. 
And of course, you could go to thefilmstage.com uh, to find every episode of this podcast as well as stuff that we have uh, written. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. You tried to break my heart. Oh, that breaks my heart. That you thought you ever had it. No, you ain't from the start. Hey, I chose this song because it too is inspired by a tweet. <laughs>